Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Puck Poolies Podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Puck Poolies. Matt Larkin here with Stephen Ellis. And we're getting close to the fantasy playoffs if you're in a head-to-head format, which we are. I got a lot going on in my league, Stephen, but uh, let's kick it off by an update from you. Perfect week. Yet again, uh, so that's I think two in a row where I just kind of dominated day one and uh, it, it, the, my very first day of the week, I had Joel Erickson act get me like forty points and uh, JT Miller got me thirty points and that basically just won me the entire week. So day, I won, I won on that you know holiday Monday, so I can't complain. I'm already off to a really good start this week. I'm trying to catch first place, so I'm doing well. How about you? Things have gotten really complicated in my league. So I've I've talked repeatedly about this four-keeper rule. You get four keepers if you miss the playoffs, three if you make it, two if you make the final. And my team is starting to pull a Philadelphia Flyers and get accidentally competitive again. Uh, I faced a really bad team last week, and I beat them 11-1. So that's in a head-to-head format. That's like 10 games over 500 in a single week. It vaulted me back into the race. This week, I'm against a really bad team again. I'm winning 13 nothing, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to make the playoffs. This is a disaster. So I had to take my fourth best keeper, put him on the block, and I said, listen, I'm willing to trade down, get a, an inferior fourth keeper plus some pieces because what if I make the playoffs? I'm going to want to compete, plus I don't want to lose a fourth keeper for nothing. So I put Mira Heiskanen on the block. I immediately got a flood of offers, ended up getting Cole Caulfield, Gabe Velarde, and Jake McCabe for... Uh, Mira Heiskanen. So now it's like if I miss the playoffs, Cole Caulfield's still a perfectly solid fourth keeper. If I if I make it, I've got a few more pieces that can help me try and pull an upset. So it, things got weird in my league, uh, which is good. It's been boring for me lately because I've been in tank mode, but now I'm kind of accidentally in the hunt. So we'll see what happens, Stephen. Okay. So let's get it started with some pickups. 
All right, we'll start here with uh, Alexis Lafreniere for a shallow pickup. Now, I know Johnny Lazarus has been all like, oh, yeah, I predicted he's going to get do so well, blah, blah, blah. I, I did a first in an article this year, just to, just to be fully clear there, but uh, your thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, I think I did it first first because I think I said in the summer that his advanced sure, metrics were suggesting the breakout was coming. Uh, but yes, Alexis Lafreniere available in 50 five percent of leaks and now we're two-thirds into the season if not three quarters almost three quarters and he's still entrenched in that top six with the rangers and it's nice to see it wasn't just an early surge and a cool off he's surging again six goals nine points in his last 11 games uh the hits are down which is too bad because i really liked that he added that to his profile last year but the shots are way up so maybe just he's has the puck more so he's not dishing out as many hits he's shooting the puck more which is great and he's already blown through his career high single season in shots and he still has 20 games to go so that's pretty impressive it just feels like he's here to stay as a viable fantasy contributor i don't know if he's ever going to make good on the promise that made him the number one overall pick but i think we're seeing him sort of inch toward being like a 25 goal 55 point guy for the foreseeable future so he's he's usable kind of almost like ryan nugent hopkins now hopkins obviously had you know a huge season last year it took him a while it didn't yeah. look like a first overall pick but he figured it out that's right that's right uh speaking of you know some guy with edmonton ties how about jordan eberle as the uh, medium pickup yeah so jordan eberle is available in 73 percent of leagues right now and uh we're recording this podcast on february 27th so we're 10 days out from the trade deadline we know jordan eberle he's a pending ufa with the seattle kraken he's been mentioned in a lot of trade rumors so we're looking at the possibility as my voice just cracked there uh of eberle being traded and getting a plum spot on a contender the oilers are one team that's actually been linked to him so imagine jordan everly joining the oilers playing on the right wing with mcdavid you never know it could happen the good news is even if you don't want to speculate on trade which is sometimes risky to do just with seattle he's got nine goals and 16 points in his last 16 games playing on the first line and he's just kind of humming along so just as is he's someone who should be owned in more leagues okay I like that. Now, this next spot was supposed to be for Anton Forsberg, and then he played like the worst game of his career, uh, got pulled. It worked out really well uh, for me because the guy I was playing against picked up Forsberg. But uh, you switched it up to, to Logan Stankoven, who I'm not convinced is going to stay up with the team for now, but what are your thoughts? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Anton Forsberg was going to be the deeply pickup because he had come off his injury. was 4-0 with a 9-17 save percentage. And then I texted Steven last night, and I was like, oh, my God, I cursed Anton Forsberg. He gave up, like, somehow six goals on one shot. Like, it was it was the worst, maybe the worst performance of the entire year. So I apologize, Anton, for cursing you. Logan Stankoven, available in 95% of leagues. Like you said, Steven, uh, it's not a guarantee he stays up, but that's why he's a deep league pickup. There's someone with upside here that you want to speculate on. We talked about him last week, dominating in the AHL on pace for one of the best seasons ever relative to age in that league. And starting on line three with Wyatt Johnson, Jamie Benn, that's a really potent unit. Uh, second game with the team, he had a goal and assist, five hits. That's very notable. Power play point, playing on the second unit, playing the point on the second unit. So I'm liking what I'm seeing from Logan Stankoven. Just a firecracker of a little guy, five foot eight compared to a pit bull by scouts before on a story we did for Daily Faceoff. I'm just a big fan. And sometimes you just got to bet on talent, especially when it's the bottom of your roster. Take a swing. Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle and you get a difference maker in a deep league. See, usually I'm not one for calling up a prospect and keeping them up 
when they have a chance at also chasing a Calder Cup trophy because, you know, that championship experience could mean so much. Mm -hmm. Texas Stars and Detroit, or Dallas Stars, are both pretty good teams in both their leagues. So either way, I think he's got a, he's got a better shot of winning the Cup, I think, in the NHL. But uh, that's kind of a, a good situation to be in for, uh, for sure. Uh, the... WTF pickup. I'm shocked that Matt Zuccarello is this available, but uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, he's available in 22% of leagues, and it feels like people are asleep at the switch here, which is why he's the perfect WTF pickup. He is playing with the hottest player in the NHL at the moment, which is Kirill Kaprizov, first start of the week. He's the top-ranked fantasy player in the last week. Obviously, Minnesota uh, had that 10-goal game, which buoyed it a little bit, but Guess who benefits every time Cap Caprizov's on a heater? It's his buddy, Zuccarello, who has 20 points in his last 16 games. And of those 20 points, 13 on the power play. He's really cooking. So if your league counts power play points, that's an extra little boost to the value of Zuccarello, who should be owned in every league right now. 100% of leagues should not be available anywhere. Okay. Uh, so that's it for the pickups. But uh, the tip of the week is to stream hard and play the matchup in head-to-head. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I find in head-to-head leagues, sometimes uh, people get too attached to their players, especially if they have a good team, and you can definitely exploit that. Sometimes there's an advantage to being a middling team because you're not as attached to every guy in your team. And if you're in a matchup, especially in the playoffs or late in the season or crucial game, you can allow yourself to have a revolving door at one or two positions and stream and sort of pay attention to the categories of your matchup, the scores, and target them specifically. Whereas the opponent who's too attached is like, oh, I know I'm losing blocks, but I love, I love this defenseman that I have. I just, I can't drop this guy. He's too much of a big name, right? So you can take advantage of that. And I find doing this, streaming a couple spots and really paying attention to categories, you can actually control your destiny. You can flip categories and you can win matchups. You can actually like flip a matchup just with this strategy. So it's a really important way to play, especially when you're in these late season matchups and eventually in the playoffs. All righty. What's our special segment today? Okay, this is a fun one. We're going to talk keeper league by lows. So we're at the time of year where uh, if your trade deadline has not passed and you're a seller team, you're looking to speculate. Yes, you're going to make some big trades on some foundational pieces. Maybe you're going to try and make a massive offer for Connor Bedard, but it's also a good time to buy low. Try and get some, some other players thrown in that aren't having the best years that could really help you in the future. Or if your trade deadline has passed, you can look for some of these players on your waiver wire in case they were dropped. So let's get to it, Stephen. All right. So let's start off with a guy that, you know, hasn't played a whole lot this year and has had some struggles, Trevor Zegers. Yes, Trevor Zegers, obviously, everyone knows it's a lost season for him, just plagued by injuries, really bad injury. Is it, I think it's fractured ankle, if I'm remembering correctly, the one that's put him out for pretty much the season. Uh, but the thing is, with Trevor Zegers, I know he has his haters. People don't like his dazzling style, but this is a player who's 22 years old, averages 60 points per 82 games so far in his NHL career, and has never played on a good team. What if some team that actually has some legitimate juice as a contender acquires him in the offseason? Or just any change of scenery could be interesting for him. I just like the idea of him landing in a new spot, getting a fresh start on a team that actually envisions him as a big part of their future. And he's still talented and still very young. So I like that as a buy low. A bunch of Canadians fans. He's really good friends with Cole Caulfield. Wink, wink. Uh, This next one here, UC Saros, National Predators. I guess my one quick question for you to add on to this is he's 28 years old. Obviously, he's playing. This year's not been so great. Last year was. How many good years of hockey do you think he has left? 
Well, for a goalie, you could have seven, right? Because goalie, when you're 28 as a goalie is like being 24 as a forward, right? So, but the main thing is this is one of the biggest fallacies in keeper leagues, and it's one that I exploit regularly. There's this obsession with, oh, I'm in a keeper league. The best, the best keepers are 18 years old, they're 19 years old. Not necessarily. The best keepers might be guys in their prime who are 25 years old. Like I'm rebuilding. I didn't trade for Adam Vantilli. I traded for Brady Kachuk. I traded for Tage Thompson. I traded for Cole, guys who are in their primes now. And I think you can, uh, what I do sometimes when I'm a contender, like I take the really young guys and say, oh, look, he's young. <gasps> he's young. Look at him. When there's a better player out there who's just in their prime. So you have to think of it as things change so quickly in your keeper league, you might be able to contend next year. So that's why I go to a guy like UC Soros, who you wouldn't necessarily think of as a keeper because he's not young. But it doesn't matter. He's someone who could have a big increase in value next season. He's been kind of not himself this year, a streaky season. Even at his worst, though, he's still been at least an average goaltender. And we know now he's not necessarily a lock to stay in Nashville, could get traded at the deadline. Imagine he goes to, example, for example, a team like the New Jersey Devils. His value goes through the roof. Also, has one year left on his deal, not a lock to sign an extension. He could end up being traded in the summer. Or maybe next year he gets traded. Either way, I just think there is an increase in value for Saros on the horizon, even if he signs an extension. Well, at least we know now he has security in Nashville. No matter how you slice it, I think his value is lower than what it actually is right now. And I would advise trying to get him before he changes teams. Once he changes teams, the value is going to go through the roof. So the time to get him is now while he's still a Nashville predator. Okay, I like this one. Matty Beniers, rookie of the year last year to completely falling off a cliff fantasy-wise, but that could be a good opportunity to pick him up. Yeah, what happened to Matty Beniers? Called a trophy, and it's funny. I, I thought he was a little overrated going into this season as someone who's a bit better in real life than fantasy, but it's gone all the way the other way now to the point where I think he's going to be underrated and a great buy low. Only 24 points through 52 games, and he's still a first-line player on this team and he's heating up so going into monday's action was which is when i was last checking in on his numbers he had five points in a five game stretch so he's showing signs of life maybe he finishes the season strong but i just feel like his overall numbers are so weak that he doesn't really pop and i think he's going to be some, there might be leagues where he's been dropped altogether shallower leagues but either way he's one of my favorite by lows yeah like arguably last year the he that was a pretty underwhelming uh, rookie crop you know there was some obviously a lot of talent there but it was not like Beniers kind of won it because he was consistent throughout the whole year not mm -hmm. because he was like the best rookie at all times type thing it wasn't like Connor Bedard and, and Brock Faber now are just ahead of the class the whole time like Beniers was just good enough every single month and that's kind of why mm -hmm. he wanted there but um yeah i, I still think he's going to be a very good player this one here is very interesting timo meyer because we talked about him a lot early in the season so uh what are your thoughts here so here's the thing about timo meyer this year is a disaster and it doesn't feel like he's going to come back from it whatever is happening whether it's an injury he's hiding or something mental i don't know what it is but he's only 27 years old he's not over the hill it's not like his game is disappearing forever i think we have to assume that the player he's been for the majority of his career has not completely disappeared. I think he's going to bounce back next season. Hopefully he's healthier and just has his head on straight. And to me, right now, anyone who owns Timo Meyer is probably really angry at Timo Meyer because he's really let, like, if you, if you went into the season with Meyer, he was supposed to be one of your franchise cornerstones on your fantasy team, right? I would say he was like a top 30 player 
in banger formats going into the year. So if you have Timo Meyer, you probably hate Timo Meyer right now. And that's why you want to go to that GM and say, hey, I'll take Timo Meyer. And they might be far more willing than they've ever been to let him go because they're probably sick of him this year. So I just think there's no way he's not better next year. It's a great time to buy low. So I don't know if for this next player here, I don't know if it's yet another curse of, of yours, but Jamie Drysdale injured right now or just not sure when he's going to be able to come back or what the full details of them there. So, uh, uh, you know, I still agree though. He's one heck of a buy low, especially now with an injury. Yes. So when I was preparing this episode, I did write down Jamie Drysdale's name before he got hurt. Uh, but it doesn't change the recommendation. Now it's more of a deep league recommendation than, let's say, a medium league recommendation. But if you look at the injury before the injury, we know the Flyers are they're trying to groom him to be their power play quarterback. It hasn't been a great season for him, but he's still just kind of trying to get in a rhythm because he can't seem to just be able to play an extended amount of hockey without getting hurt. But he's only 21 years old. He's still younger than a lot of prospects who haven't even broken through to the NHL at his position. And... To me, with that injury now, which there are reports that have come out in the last day or two that they're weak, he's week to week. So it's not like it's not going to be the biggest fear was, is this going to be an injury that carries all the way into next season and he misses more time? Doesn't sound like it. it maybe it's going to cost him a lot of this season, if not the rest of the season. But I don't think it's going to affect his ability to be ready to start next year, which is very important. And his value is just so low right now that I think he's almost free. I don't think he's ever going to have lower fantasy values. So it's not even necessarily about trading for Drysdale. It's probably just picking him up. He's probably available in your league. And if he isn't, he's the type of player you could probably get just tossed in as a, a last minute topper in a trade. So you, you're just never going to chance. You're never going to get a chance to buy him this low again. I don't think. I agree. I'm a huge Jimmy Drysdale fan. I think he's going to have a very strong career if he can stay healthy because he is a good defenseman when he's healthy. The unfortunate thing is, that's been pretty difficult to come by at this point. So uh, definitely tough to see. I know it probably doesn't make Flyers fans feel any better, especially after trading Cutter Goche and who might be the best prospect in the world right now. So there's that, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Who's our guest today? Oh, our guest is a fun one. Everybody, please welcome the return of Ken Campbell. Okay, we are continuing a theme. Last week, we brought back Anadua by popular demand. We're going to keep the popular demand thing going. This week, our guest, again, people were clamoring for him to return, and it's Ken Campbell, contributing writer, hockey news, legendary hockey writer, and our friend Ken Campbell is back. Kenny, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. You had Dua Lipa last week? <laughs> I, I wish. I wouldn't be alive if oh, I did. No. I would be dead. I'm like, I'm following Dua Lipa. That's pretty cool. I would literally be dead. Like, I would just, that would, I would have just been, okay, that's it. I've done, I've lived the life I need to live. It's over. I think you're, I think you're just, you mean figuratively when you're saying literally. No, no, I, I, oh, I'm yeah. literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, Kenny's, the glasses are looking good, by the way. I think you look like very sophisticated, like you're about to entrap James Bond. Like you're not the main villain, but you're like the scientist <laughs> who has the torture room. Like, good luck getting out of this contraption, Mr. Bond. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying for the more sort of prof professorial look. It's working for you, Kenny. Yeah. And it's a good transition to the first question we want to ask you today because we want you to be a bit of a, a fantasy hockey professor. And this week we're talking about keeper leagues, looking ahead to next year, possible players to buy low. So let's start with the forward position. Who is someone that you'd be looking to buy low among forwards in keeper leagues? Okay, I'm not sure if this guy qualifies, but 
uh, Dmitry Voronkov of the oh. Columbus Blue Jackets. This guy, I've ta- I talked to him. I did a piece on him uh, about two months ago, and he's a monster. This guy is a this guy is like Drago, you know, from the Rocky movies. Like he is good. I think this guy is going to be the NHL's prototypical power forward. Like he's already got 16 goals this year, right? And last, I, I know early in the season he had a lot of trouble, like adapting. He uh, he started the year in the minors. He got really homesick. In fact. He was on the verge of of leaving. And then I think, you know, uh, Chinikov and Marchenko, you know, he kind of gelled with them. He plays with those guys. He started to feel at home. He started scoring. He's been scoring a lot more lately. And I just think this guy is a is a, a just a, a, a beast in waiting. I think he's going to be a, a huge power forward. If your team, if you're I know some uh, fantasy leagues count penalty minutes. So if you're like a Tom Wilson type of guy, you know, that's like a really valuable guy. So I think he'd be really valuable in a league like that. But I, I just love this guy. Uh, see, I love that one because that was a guy that watching him play in the KHL, it felt like he was just going to be better when he got to the NHL. His style mm-hmm. of game just fit it better. And, and so it's working out really well for the Blue Jackets where consistently all year he's been one of the better uh, young guys. So uh, well, that's yeah. good to see. So uh, looking at the rest of the best four. The Blue Jackets? How has anything been working out for the Blue Jackets this well, year? Well, <laughs> nothing has worked for them. Nothing. You know what, Ken, for the record, I didn't want you to come back. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, young defenseman, who would you buy a low on here? Uh, I'm going to go off the board a little bit here, and I'm going to say Olin Zellweger uh, mm. in the American Hockey League. I think he'll be in the NHL next year. Um, I think he's. I think the development curve that the Ducks have with this guy, going with this guy, is really good. Um, and I, I just feel like he's going to come in and hit the ground running. Like he's already played a little bit in the NHL, and I think he's been really good. Um, so I, I really, I really think that would be a guy that I would, you know, you could re- probably really buy low on him. Um, and I think he's going to, I think he's going to produce a lot of points. I think he's going to be really, really good. They've got something going in Anaheim, especially on the, on the blue line with their young guys. Um, I mean, it's going to be a while, but, uh, that team's going to be good in a couple of years. And I think he's going to be, he's going to pile up some points. See, to add to that, because uh, I've I've been a huge Ducks believer for a while, and I liked their last wave of young prospects they had when it was, you know, Max Jones and Sam Steele and Troy Terry. And uh, Troy Terry's look good, but the other guys, not so much. But this group legitimately feels like it's going to work out. Like, you look at all the good young defensemen they got coming out, and then one of yeah. them that no one's talking about out of Switzerland playing in the OHL is Rodwin Dionicio, who I just wrote about um, in my uh, prospect roundup recently where this guy's putting up some unbelievable numbers. He's about to go play in the Swiss league or the top league in Switzerland next year. Uh, he's another good young defenseman. Like this team just knows how to draft. You got to get out more, Steven. You really got to get out more. <laughs> My apology. You really well, yeah. get out more, bud. Did you watch the <laughs> he- World Championship this morning? Like me? <laughs> yeah, you were watching. What was it? Hong Kong versus Iran? Is that the yeah, match? Yeah, Hong Kong won 11 yeah. to 3 today. North Korea is currently winning the Division 3 tournament. Of course, wow. of course, that's what you were doing this morning. Of How's course, Chad doing <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, Candy, for the next one, basically, we're going to just ask you to spin a roulette wheel because that's what goaltending is these days. Absolutely. But uh, who is 
<laughs> who is the young goalie that you're eyeing as a keeper league by low? Um, well, the guy outside the NHL, I think the guy everybody would say would be Yaroslav Askarov. Um, Nashville's uh, goalie who's lighting it up in the American League and, you know, wins games and then does push-ups with the net and, or whatever, whatever, bench presses the net and everything. So uh, him. But if I have to pick a guy who's in the league right now, I really like Joel Hofer. Um, mm. St. Louis's backup goalie. I think it's only a matter of time before he really gets a chance, uh, either in St. Louis or somewhere else, probably in St. Louis. Um, and, uh, I just, I've, I followed this guy's career. He was very, very good as a junior. He was terrific in the American league, took Springfield to the, um, Calder cup championship a couple of years ago. Uh, so I just feel like he's a guy that's, that's, that's going to really make his mark at some point. Okay. I like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, last night I was having this really groundbreaking discussion about Quinn Hughes versus Kale Macario. No one's ever compared those two ever before. So I guess who would, over the next five years, who would you prefer in fantasy hockey? That's that, that, this was the hardest one for me for sure. I mean, this year Hughes is, is putting up more points. I, I, I think, I think the way I would say this is, I just have to go with Kale McCarr. He's just too dynamic. He's just, you know, I mean, look at the, you know, look, look at all the records he's breaking right now. But I will say this. I, I think I would go with Kale McCarr for points. But as a better, as the, as an all-round defenseman, I'm not sure Quinn Hughes isn't going to be the better all-round defenseman. Like Kale McCarr might get the points and Quinn Hughes might win the Norris trophies, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just feel like guys, we are just about to enter, or maybe we're in the, the embryonic stages of it, of a golden era of offensive defensemen. Like, I, I just like, mm-hmm. look at the guys like Noah Dobson, you know, no, uh, Evan Bouchard last night, he was brilliant. You know, Adam Fox, Thomas Harley, um, you know, Brock Faber, I think is going to be one of those guys. Um, you know, I just, Jake Sanderson, it just feels like, it just feels like in a couple of years that there's going to be some really good debates about the Norris trophy. And there's going to be some really, really productive, um, young defensemen out there. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's crazy to think, you know, Eric Carlson dropping 101 points last year, first time in 31 years, and it might get that number might get topped one year later. Cause it's just, that's the era that we're in right now. So you're, you're bang on Kenny. Um, I wanted to get your take on this to me is the hottest debate on hockey Twitter. And it's really annoying as well. I just find, especially from the Edmonton and Toronto uh, fan bases, it's getting really whiny out there. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I hate this fake manufactured rivalry between Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. They're not rivals. They don't play in the same division. You can be a fan of both markets. It drives me fucking crazy. Yeah. I just dropped an F bomb for the Whoa! first time in the history of puck pulleys. <laughs> Suck on that. Everybody. The daily uh, face off F bomb. I, I just had to do it. It's just driving me crazy. Uh, so who is the Hart trophy front runner? Could be Connor McDavid. It could be Austin Matthews. It could be Nikita Kucherov. It could be Nathan McKinnon. It could be Quinn Hughes. I'm just curious where you land on this debate. This one's not a fantasy question, but I just think it's a fun topic. I, I'm landing on T Matthews guys. I really am. And, and, it's not because I live in Toronto. It's not because I go to a lot of Maple Leaf games. It's because Austin Matthews is is one of those guys right now, in my opinion, that fills 
that that either way you want to define the award, he he's he's got it covered, right? I mean, you don't go on a seventy goal pace without being one of the best players in the league. I'm sorry, and and I am just so sick of hearing how he doesn't have enough assists. Well, he doesn't have enough assists because he's too busy scoring all the goals. Like I, I just I don't get that. Like goals are like it's it's still. Last time I checked, it's still about putting that little black thing in the back of the net, right? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Like it's still about, it's still about that. And to me, I, I've always been a proponent that goals should be valued higher than assists. I think goals should be worth two and assists should be worth one. Sorry to all the minor hockey folks out there who, say that a goal that an assist is just as valuable and important as a goal no it's not no it's not goals are where it's at chicks dig goals fans dig goals everybody digs goals but it's not just the goals i would argue in fact that if not for austin matthews and his timely scoring for the toronto maple leafs this team is life and death to make the playoffs he has i think I keep track of this, and it's either 15 or 16. He either, either has 15 or 16 goals this year that have brought the, that have tied the game for the Leafs. You know, so they've been down by a goal, and he gets that goal that gets them back tied into the game. And if it's at Scotiabank Arena and Matt Larkin's there, it's probably late in the game, and it means the game's going to overtime. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's also, including the shootout winner that he has this year, he's got 16 goals that have put the Leafs ahead in games for good. And like, I'm not a big game winning goals guy because I don't care if a guy scores, you know, the the sixth goal when they're leading six, two, and then the other team comes back and gets three late goals. I I'm always the one. What's the, what's the crucial goal? What's the goal that they need right now that puts them ahead in the game. And then they're on their way. Well, he has 16 of those. And, and, and I think only Sam Reinhardt has more. 
Mm. Um, so to me, and and you know, I mean, he's 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 really good defensively. He's he's great at both ends of the ice. Um, you know, he checks all the boxes. Like I, I really believe that he could and should be a finalist for the heart. He's going to win the Rocket Richard. I think I'm pretty sure anyways, barring an injury or a complete meltdown, he's going to win the Rocket Richard. He should be a finalist for the heart. He should be a finalist for the Selkie and he should be a finalist for the Lady Bing. It's got like four penalty minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Austin Matthews has already become one of the greatest Leafs of all time. Um, I have him number three right now. I've got Charlie Conacher first, uh, Dave Keon second, and Matthews third, and he's and he's moving up. I think he could usurp Keon. Um, and I just think that when this guy got drafted, like everybody was excited and they knew it was going to be great. I don't think anybody had any idea how good this guy was going to be and how impactful he was going to be. And I really think that the fans of the Toronto Maple Leafs are are in the midst of watching a special special player uh in the history of their franchise like they've never this this franchise has never had a true like a true superstar and in this guy i believe they have one mm-hmm. okay i like that so last time you're on here you made the bold prediction that steven ah. Stamkos was going to be traded to the arizona coyotes it's you know locking to change i'm pretty sure since then though we've seen what two trades total like the trades are just not happening right now. It's yeah. been kind of slow. But give us your updated pick for a surprise name that will be moved by the trade. Well, we've also we've also seen the Tampa Bay Light. They were out of the playoff race, yep. and Arizona was firmly <laughs> in the playoff race and doing well at the time. I didn't so know. that was kind of based on that. But now that's kind of, um, you know, Arizona's doing very Arizona things, and Tampa's doing very Tampa things. So that's kind of flipped the switch. So obviously that one's not going to happen. And, you know, you asked for a hot take. So, um, wow. Uh, Colton Preco. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just feel like, yeah, I'm not even really wedded to this one. Like I kind of struggled with this, but I just feel like everybody's looking for a big defenseman and somebody's going to go. Yeah. Some some guy some guy in a room in a pre-draft war room is going to say, "What about Colton Preco?" And some nerdy guy is going to stand up and say, "Hey, he's got six years left at six and a half. And he's <laughs> thirty years old, and he's really not that good." And some GM's going to say, "I don't care. We want to win this year. We'll buy him out after this. Whatever. <laughs> we don't care about after this year. We care about this year. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna trade him for a seventh round pick." And, uh, and is there even a seventh round anymore? Yeah, that's the last yeah. one. Right? <laughs> we're going to train for a seventh round pick and St. Louis is going to pick up, you know, part of the tab and, uh, it's not going to go well. Yeah. I, I think that's, it's, that's a fair prediction, especially look at last year, like a year ago, Matias Ekholm was considered a guy in his early thirties who's making 6 million and had four years left. And maybe that contract was going to take on water and it maybe was a little bit risky to get him and look where he is now with Edmonton. So you never know, maybe someone could turn Pareko into another Ekholm type of uh, redemption story, even though Ekholm was better, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So Kenny back in our hockey news days, of course, we always did the rapid fire game. We did it with you last time. We're going to have to, I guess for for copyright reasons, let's call it the lightning round. 
<laughs> but we're going to put you in the captain's chair this time. Yes. You're the question master. I mean, look at those glasses. Of course you are. Uh, and we're going to answer in order of seniority. So I'll go first, Stephen, and then you'll go second because you're still a child. And we will begin the game now. Okay. Okay. First question. What would be worse? What would be worse to experience? Getting Dutch ovened by Shaquille O'Neal or, or having to sit for one hour and listen to Ryan Kennedy tell you about how he used to be in a punk band. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the Dutch oven because, because Shaq's bed is going to be so big. He's seven one. The bedspread is going to be huge. You're going to be like you're inside a tent. I could just crawl down to where his feet are, and like it's probably a separate atmosphere. I think I can escape where the smell is. So I'm going to tough that out. I'm not going to have to listen to the punk rock stars. Okay. Um. <laughs> oh yeah. But you know what? I just realized it, that, that's a crappy question. Steve. Stephen doesn't have I, a sense of smell. But oh, yeah. that, as long as oh, like, yeah. I also like punk music, so it's like, <laughs> What's there, that? you know the answer. <laughs> I still want your answer. If you had a sense of smell, what would you answer? Is it that I would I'd rather do or not want to do? No, what would be worse? Well, oh, what would you worse? rather do too, I guess. Which one uh, would you rather oh, still, tolerate? Still Dutch oven for sure. <laughs> I feel, I feel like, <laughs> wow. It's unanimous. It's unanimous. Yeah, we yeah. All heard. We've all heard Ryan's stories on the road, so I think, <laughs> I think we're good there. Okay, best coming-of-age movie ever. <laughs> best ever. Uh, I think The Graduate's always the one that hit for me. Um, okay. just, just that sort of tweener phase when you're done school and don't quite know what you're going to do, and, but everyone thinks you're going to know what you're going to do. Maybe it's plastics, maybe it's not. And uh, one of the all-time ambiguous endings. You could say also Boyhood. Uh, just because it was filmed over 12 years. It's hard to get better than that for that coming of age. Yep. 12 years of the same actor, right? Aging, filming once yep. a year. But graduate, graduate's my answer. Oh, Steven. I, it's either, this is going to sound stupid, pro, uh, American Pie. I just can't, can't go wrong with the American Pie movies. Although American Pie 2, I think I liked more. It had it great soundtrack. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Works for me. But I'm, yeah, okay. I guess American Pie 1, I'll just do that. You're both wrong. It's Stand By Me. So... Anyways, mm -hmm. uh, go-to karaoke song. <laughs> oh, man, what isn't my go-to karaoke song? There's a million. I think if I choose the one I've sang the most times, it's probably Wanted, Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi, but I've got a million of them. I sing Queen. Okay. I, there's there's tons. Uh, Backstreet Boys, I want it that way if I'm doing something with the bros, but there's <laughs> there's a million. So, again, going back to my music takes, uh, or tastes, uh, I like metal. So uh, there's a Slipknot song called People Equal. And, you know, we already had one swear word this one. I'm not going to throw in a second one. But uh, <laughs> People Equal S. And that is, uh, th that's the one I've actually done twice in karaoke. Okay, so you're, 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 he's already dropped an app bomb and you're worried about saying shit? <laughs> <laughs> I got enough, you know, you know. <laughs> uh, mine is, uh. Mine is Copacabana by Barry Manilow. Oh, nice. Right, that's mine for sure. Um, I was going to ask, you know, like, would you rather fight a horse-sized chicken or a chicken-sized horse? But I feel like that's an easy one. Like, the chicken, like a chicken-sized horse would peck you to death pretty easily yeah. or whack you with its things. But a horse, like a chicken-sized horse, you could just kick the crap out of it. Like, Yeah, chicken-sized 
horse, horse-sized chicken. Yeah, you don't want to fight the horse-sized chicken because it can also flap wings at you. No, no yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel and, like that's a no-brainer. And the horse's yeah. shape just makes it hard for it to just even at any size to just turn around. So you could just keep running but, around in circles. I think it's supposed to be like ten horse, ten chicken-sized horses, or one horse-sized chicken is the is the debate. Ten chicken size. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, because otherwise it's no contest. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so well, ten mini good. horses, like yeah, that we know that. Okay. running around you. Okay. Or just one like bah, 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 giant chicken. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll take the ten horses. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I, I. Okay. So ten. Ten. I'd, I think I'd still fight. Still fight the ten horse size. Chicken. Yeah, I'm just gonna kick those horses. Yeah, up. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna like start kicking and just boot them all over the place. <laughs> would you rather be 12 inches tall or 12 feet tall 12 feet because at least 12 feet like you're gonna be the most famous person in the world you make millions of dollars you'll be you'll you can write a book you can just do whatever you want with your life yes you'll be you'll yeah. be followed everywhere you go but you can also make it work for you and just become a an international icon whereas if you're if you're 12 inches tall you might just get stepped on one day and it's over so i'm gonna go 12 feet and yeah, I mean, and you could afford to retrofit your house, right? So yeah, yeah, Steven? Uh, I'd be, uh, I'd pick the twelve inches tall because then I could be like Ant Man and just crawl anywhere I want to be. So uh, it's uh, sure I might get stepped on, but I could just go wherever I want. No one's gonna see me, right? And I will say, like, I do think that my twelve foot self might later in life, like, right in his autobiography, like, it might be, it might be entitled, "I wish I was twelve inches tall." <laughs> This was a curse on my life. I've never had privacy anywhere I've gone. Like maybe, so maybe I'll regret my decision. It's it's entirely possible. I feel like the twelve foot guy, twelve foot tall guy, would die first, though. Yeah, oh, yes, hundred percent. Yeah, no question. Okay, uh, I know Steve loves the vroom vroom. Stephen loves the vroom vroom. So, what is the best scene from Talladega Nights? Oh man. Okay. I, I it's definitely uh, it's it's the family at the at the breakfast table or dinner table and the little kids are just like shitting on their grand <laughs> on their grandpa. That one kills me. Yeah. yeah. That's it for me. We for sure. J baby Jesus, baby, yeah. baby, little <laughs> six pound baby Jesus. I would like, we would like to thank you for this bountiful gift of Doritos and Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I got two answers for that one. That one's a great one. Uh, the first one with the lame answer is when they, uh, when they're about to actually do the final race and they get their car together and it's a piece of crap. Cause I, yeah. I can, I've seen a lot of race teams that are just like that actively today, but the best one is when he flip, flips over, runs out, he's on, thinks he's on fire. Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's perfect. Have you ever, have you ever seen uh, days of thunder? Yeah. Yeah. It's like kind of like the more serious version of the same story. Yeah. That's one of my all-time favorite movies. I like that. I also like the scene where he's in the hospital and he stabs himself in the leg. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, too. Uh, last one. I guess we got to do a hockey thing right here, right now. Cup final. Uh, Dallas Stars versus the Florida Panthers. Ooh. Okay. I... I I know somewhere I said my preseason pick was Dallas versus New York Rangers. I like that one. The Neil's Lungfist Bowl is what I'm going to call it. I'm going to go with Edmonton and Carolina. The re a reprisal of the 2006 Stanley Cup Final, which was 
an incredible Stanley Cup final. My favorite. That was like for entertainment value. That might have been the best Stanley Cup final I've ever seen. My favorite. Yeah. yeah okay. That's well, that's good. it for rapid fire. Or uh, sorry, lightning. lightning round. Lightning round. There you go. There's the trademark. That's, that's it for lightning round. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> awesome stuff, Kenny. Loved the questions and loved having you back on. It's always a pleasure, and I'm sure your fans out there are going to be tickled that you rejoined us. All Thanks three of them. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thanks. See you guys. Well. Not a big surprise there that Ken did not disappoint. He always brings the thunder in a small package. Little guy, but big takes. <laughs> Love that about Kenny. Uh, let's move on now to the best bet of the week, Stephen. And this is going to annoy some people because I've already discussed picking one team from that terrible Western Conference race. But that was then. This is now. That's the way you have to approach it. So I recommended St. Louis Blues. I'm changing my recommendation. Now I'm recommending the Minnesota Wild, plus 300. You're allowed to make more than one bet. Things can change. And the Wild, plus 300 to make the playoffs. If you look at that race, you know, they're playing with some juice now. Kaprizov, as I said, on fire right now, hottest player in the league. They're 7-2-1 in the past 10. And if you look at all the teams in that group, whether it's Nashville, St. Louis, Calgary... The Wild were the only team going into the season that were actually trying to be good, and their team is constructed to be competitive now. They're supposed to be pretty good. So what we might be seeing is, is a positive regression to what they were always supposed to be, and it helps that they're getting a nice influx of youth from Brock Faber, who's been a tremendous rookie defenseman, obviously on track to break the record for ice time for rookie defenseman. Marco Rossi finally figuring it out as well. So we knew that was what had to happen for this team, the Wilds. They had to have some help from within because of their cap constraints. But here's what really matters to me. Uh, if you look at the Wilds' remaining schedule, they have more than half their games against non-playoff teams. They get to play the Sharks three more times, the Ducks twice. And they control their destiny. They have multiple games against St. Louis Blues and Nashville Predators. So if I map out that battle, to me, Minnesota is the team best equipped to win the race. I know I said St. Louis a couple weeks ago, but things changed. Now I think it's going to be Minnesota. That's the better bet. And I think I feel quite confident that they're going to be the team that emerges. That's one that's been discussed a few times on Daily Faceoff Live. It's like, I think everyone could kind of just agree they're a better team than, you know, they looked like at the beginning of the season, obviously dealing with some injuries, goaltending couldn't save them, made a coaching change, didn't really necessarily give the bump right away, but they've been able to show like they're a better team than what was what was showing at the beginning of the year. Like we were talking about them being a playoff team before the season started. It didn't go well at the start. They've kind of erased that issue. So that's good. But uh, yeah, I uh, right now I think that's a good pick. All righty. So let's move on now to the prospect report, Stephen. And uh, I just have been waiting to make this joke because you're going to talk about Zachary Leroux, but I always want to call him, hey, it's Zach LeHappy. If you are if you know your French out there, Leroux means happy. So tell me about Zach LeHappy. And he is French. So, uh, you know, I watched him play a few times in person, and every time he has a smile on his face, so it does work. But that's usually because he's getting under the skin of somebody. And you look at him this year, he's got 121 penalty minutes in 45 games in the AHL. So you look at that and say, okay, yep, yeah, he's a goon. He had, I think it was nine suspensions last year in the QMJHL. Like, he looks like a player at a slap shot when you look at his suspension history. And he's been suspended from the AHL this year. But in those 45 games, he also has 37 points. He's on pace for 57 this year. If he didn't get suspended, he would probably be closer to 60 at this point. 
this guy is one of my favorite prospects in hockey. And it's because he does everything to get under the skin of, of your opponent. Yeah, you look at it. He's always been getting a ton of penalty minutes. He's not a huge guy. He's only five foot eleven, but he's like 200 pounds. He just demolishes guys. He's a human wrecking ball out there. And he's so much fun to watch. Talking to some Nashville fans, some Milwaukee fans, and people that watch him the QMJHL, they they say this. Like he, every night, even if he's not having a good game on a score sheet, will do something that will get the fans cheering. Someone like that can bring so much value to a team. And uh, the fact is, he's 20 years old and he's on pace for nearly 50 points in the AHL. He's not doing what Logan Stankoven's doing, uh, has been doing this year of Texas, like on pace for like something like 90 ish points. But 60 points as a rookie is still incredible, for, especially for someone who never played a full season in the QMJHL, either because of suspensions, either because of injury, whatnot. So this is not a guy that's been like, you know, playing 60 games a year, every year. So this year he's going to get, he's on pace for 69. If he plays the rest of the game, uh, he's obviously just putting goals in, he's putting up points. So he's perfect for fantasy. He does everything. He hits, he blocks shots, he scores. He will do everything. If you count penalty minutes, he does that too. He's mm-hmm. a guy that's going to excel in the pro game. He's loving the big crowds or the bigger crowds in the AHL. Wait till he gets to the NHL. Nashville's got a good fan base. They got a great crowd. When he's throwing a huge hit, hyping up everybody, it's going to be a, a fun experience. So Zachary LaRue, if you could pick him up, uh, that is definitely a buy low guy. Because I don't know if enough people are talking about just how good of a player he is right now. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, especially it's uh, someone to pay particular attention to in banger formats because he, to me, forecasts as like a 200-hit type of player who's going to chip in some offense as well. So I really like that recommendation. Uh, What do we have for questions this week, Stephen? All right, well, we'll start with a a two-parter here for uh, Javier Jose. Uh, Skinner or Kochekov, most wins. Yeah, the rest of the way. So this is a tough question. Uh, Pyotr Kachekov has been really good of late. How do you like those apples, Steven? But uh, he has more competition as well because we know Freddie Anderson is on the way back from the blood clot and he's getting closer to returning as of uh, time that we're recording this. Spencer Martin is still getting some minutes. The Canes are still a team that's been mentioned as maybe on the lookup for a goalie as well. Uh, whereas Stuart Skinner, if we just base, because again, wins is a volume stat and Edmonton and Carolina, both good teams. Uh, I know Skinner's not been playing well lately, but the Oilers have the most games remaining of any team in the NHL. So that's a great tiebreaker for me. You're just going to get more appearances from Skinner, more opportunities to win. So I like him for more wins the rest of the way. Uh, and then for points, Lekkonen or Arturi Lekkonen or Johnny Gaudreau, it's Arturi Lekkonen in the walk. He's playing with McKinnon and Rantanen right now. So that to me answers the question. That's all you need to know. Yep, uh, 100%. Uh, and this last one comes from Davis going back to the Kochekov uh, topic. Kochekov or Devin Levi as a keeper, who are you liking? Yeah, so this is a weird one. So I went against Kochekov in the last question. I'm going to side with him in this question, which surprises me given the insane hype around Devin, Devin Levi going into the season. And Kochekov's more of a marginal prospect that kind of worked its way up. It was never considered a mega prospect. Um, but if your league has contracts that last forever let's in terms of your ability to keep players maybe you still go levi because he's got tremendous long-term upside but ukapeka lukanen's emergence this year really complicates things for levi that's one thing to pay attention to because lukanen was a big time prospect too he's not necessarily going to give that job away now that he's really solidified it 
And if you look at Kachekov, he's playing great. He's on an elite defensive team. He's signed through 2026-27, making two million bucks. They clearly envision him as a part of the puzzle long term. So based on that, I like what I've seen, the tangible results from Kachekov rather than all the theoretical upside of Levi. So I lean toward Kachekov. Yeah, actually, I fully agree there. I think with Levi, you could try and, you know, there's a lot of hype on him, especially in a market like Buffalo that is so passionate. You could try to, like, maximize your value on there. And a lot of people might just mm-hmm. know him, like, oh, yeah, he was at Team Canada, the World Junior goalie. Like, oh, that's cool. And, oh, I've heard his name on TV. And might not, like, follow, you know, the goalie development timelines and stuff and be like, yeah, I'll, I'll buy high on him. Trade him if you've got him. That's what I'd say. I don't know if you agree on me there. But. Yeah, and no, I think that's a good idea because he's got that that brand name. It's almost like if you, imagine if you traded Spencer Knight a couple of years ago, you'd be in, in a good spot, right? So when sometimes when the hype the hype exceeds the actual results, so I, I think you're right for sure. All right, uh, it's time for starting lineup, and in this case, the Toronto Blue Jays want to honor you for your seventh place position in your fantasy league. It's Matt Larkin night; they're giving away bobbleheads of all your fantasy hockey players. It's just, you know, I, I can't wait for this day on the calendar. I'm guessing this will probably be in June or so when the season's over. So I'll make sure to be there. But you get to also honor for the the wall of honor your six favorite Blue Jays. Who are you picking? It's funny because bobblehead for me, it's just like a doll of me because I'm already a human bobblehead. I have a giant friggin' head. Uh, so, okay. So the rules for picking my six favorite Blue Jays, for one, I love George Springer, but I don't think he's been a Jay long enough. So I, I think, it, and he's more of an Astro than a, than a Blue Jay. So <clears throat> I didn't include George Springer. I also tried not to be too biased toward the 92, 93 teams. I was nine and 10 years old. So those teams are right in my wheelhouse, but I didn't want to just give you a list of the 1993 batting order. Got to go, got to be go above Whamco. Here, here's, so, pic- here's pictures of them. If you'd like to see them. Yes. I, I have those same posters in my room. I can, t- I can see even just looking at them now. So number six, Edwin and Encarnacion. You have the parrot walking the parrot. You had the cool swagger part of one of my favorite incarnations of the blue Jays, those teams in the, are those called the aughts or the teens? What do you call those? The 2010s? Are they the 2010s? Those are my Tw- glory years of watching yeah. baseball. Cause I, I wasn't around for those. Yeah, the 2015 and 2016 Blue Jay teams. Yeah. Uh, and and was one of the driving engines. I feel like he also was the most underrated because you had Jose Batista and Josh Donaldson, guys like that, getting a lot of the glory, whereas Encarnacion was so consistent as a power hitter. Number five, we have Roberto Alomar. And again, this is based on play, not necessarily uh, how good of a person they are. Uh, Robbie Alomar, one of the greatest baseball players of all time, elite defensively, switch hitter, could do pretty much everything on a baseball field and was so important to those championship teams. Number four, a guy who he kind of reminds me of Matt Sundin. He, he peaked at the same time in Toronto as someone who was a really good player and just never was quite on the team that could get it over the top. That's Carlos Delgado. I think one of the best and most underrated hitters of his generation uh, played through the steroid era, but was never someone who was popped for PEDs. We don't know whether he was part of it or not, but I think that uh, has sort of pushed down the way he's valued. It's underrated him, but tremendous hitter, incredible raw power. I was at his first game ever and he hit two uh, home runs off windows restaurant in his debut. Um, Jose Batista, number three, some people love to hate him, but that's what makes me love him. I just love swagger. I love confidence. I, I love drama. And I just love that Batista would just bring that to every game. And obviously the bat flip. And 
some people are traditional and don't like that. To me, I go way the other way. I want I want cocky. I want drama. Uh, so I love Jose Batista for that. Number two, Joe Carter, the player that kind of won my heart as a kid, of course, walk-off homer in 93. Just very likable personality. Last Blue Jay to touch the ball in both World Series wins. He caught the ball at first base in 92, hit the ball out in 93. And he was just always my guy when I was a kid. He sort of was, was my, my childhood hero. Number one, Doc Halliday. Roy Halliday, I think the greatest Blue Jay of all time, just a dominant pitcher, had that bulldog mentality, worked so hard, and just, I just loved being able to go to one of his starts, and it was like two hours and ten minutes, because he was so efficient that he just blew through the competition when he was at his peak. So he's my number one, and those are my six favorite Blue Jays of all time, Stephen. I love that. In Carnacion, I, I was at two games of his where he threw his bat into the crowd. So, you know, you never know what you were going to get when you were at one of those games. But uh, that's that. All right. Well, that was a fun and packed episode. We are not done. Next up is episode 50, Stephen. And it's going to be a special one because it's leading into the real life trade deadline. So we need to preview that trade deadline from a fantasy perspective, which is what we will do in our next episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 